Hey, fitness business secrets listeners. This is the second part of my two-part interview with Danny Singer. He's the founder of Fit2Go, a Baltimore, Maryland in-home training company. If you're curious how a successful fitness business owner dealt with the shutdown and is currently dealing with the reopening, this is a perfect episode for you. You'll find out how many of Danny's clients actually stayed on and what group didn't actually stay on. Also, what challenges his in-home training business faced and how he got past them. And successfully, how he was able to get most of his clients to stay on, paying the same amount, but altering just one thing. You'll find out what that is. And now post shutdown, you'll find out how Danny's transitioning his five full-time trainers back to in-person home training. In addition, you're gonna find out how Danny does consultations to achieve a near 99.9% close rate and how if you're looking to expand your business, he hired a director, manager, you could call them to free up time and really help him grow his business even more hands off. Next, you're gonna find out how Danny has leveraged such amazing PR and even scored a monthly segment on the local news channel. At the end of the show, Danny gives us his two big pieces of advice for anyone who wants to grow their fitness business. Finally, you're gonna hear Danny's number one thing he tells you to focus on if you wanna start your own in-home personal training business. Stay tuned. Fitness coaches, get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online. Create multiple streams of income by training clients online, selling challenges, and growing your membership. This is the Fitness Business Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. Hey, before we get to the show, I wanted us to do a mini lesson on finding your niche. What is a niche? A niche is a smaller segment, usually a sub-segment of a general market. So instead of just anyone who wants to exercise, maybe mothers who just finished pregnancy, and they usually have specific needs and wants. So then you can define your marketing and your product features to really appeal to their, that sub-segment's needs and wants. And the reason why that works is because you might have noticed if you try to write marketing or social media posts even to a specific group of people, a smaller group such as mothers who just gave birth, it's so much easier to speak to them directly like a person. But if you think you're just talking to everyone, you start to notice that your messaging, your words are super general. You can't say anything specific because you're worried about alienating another group. So basically with niche marketing, you're speaking directly to one specific group and well, the other groups that don't fall into that pretty much tune out because they know you're not talking to them. So that's the drawback. So you might be asking me, then why would I do niche marketing? Why would I speak to only a specific group? And that's because when you speak generally to people, like if you were to talk to someone at a party and you were to say just general things, they would think you're really boring immediately and have nothing to connect with you. So I think the idea is that even though we think we're then talking to everyone, we're kind of talking to no one when we talk generally. But when we talk to a niche, we can really connect with them and drive our message hard and have a much higher conversion rate for them to go to that call to action. 
since today we're doing in-home personal training guest speaker, Danny Singer, I figured we should talk about if niche marketing can be applied on the local level. So for one, just being local is being a niche because you're basically able to appeal to their need of needing someone in their home and only people nearby can achieve that goal. But on other levels, it is a little bit hard. However, here are some ideas to be niched locally, especially for in-home training. So building on last week's lesson about doing flyer marketing, my thought is if you can target a specific area that has a predominantly certain demographic, maybe elderly or busy, high-earning professionals, then create a flyer or a specific newsletter that speaks to them. Use terms that they connect with. So they may think of themselves as a busy professional And maybe they don't think of themselves as elderly. So be thoughtful and focus on the end goal that they want. So if elderly people, that's not a good word, but instead it's about not having aches and pains, being able to build strength, bone density, then use those words, the things that they want. And if they do identify with certain words because it feels good, like a busy professional feels important, of course. You can use, are you a busy professional wanting to regain your health? So it kind of validates them, and, but also talks to probably something on their mind. Busy professionals don't have time to focus on their health. And then in some areas, you'll notice that the people are very young and there's a lot of one-year-olds, two-year-olds, five-year-olds. So maybe you can focus on prenatal, postnatal. A question you may be wondering is, So can I have multiple niches? Can I target prenatal, postnatal women and also elderly? And the answer is yes, but. So yes, you can, but it depends on the cost to manage those niches from the training or if you need special equipment. It does take a little bit of effort operationally to service certain niches. But what's more challenging is to manage marketing to multiple groups. And that's more the reason to have niches in a service industry where it's easy to just, when you're working with someone, to just change how you train. That's sort of easy. But when you're marketing, that's when it's tricky. If your marketing method is one message that gets seen by whoever sees it, walks by like it's a big poster or a big banner, and you can only have one message there because it's a physical message and you can't control who sees it, then it's pretty hard to have multiple niches. If, for example, that's the main way you market. But if you do flyers and you know that this building, this neighborhood is the neighborhood with a lot of elderly people, then you can easily pull out your flyer that says, get rid of those aches and pains and build your strength and bone density. And you can know easily that you're placing the right message to the right market. And then you drive half hour down the road and then it's a bunch of ladies who just gave birth. And then you can pull out your prenatal, postnatal, get your pre-pregnancy body back. So if that's easy, you can easily find the group and easily send the message without it costing a lot of money and without it being like very confusing, then you can do that totally. 
The other reason why that works really easily and well is because when you give that specific message to that prospect, that's the only message they see. So they feel like you are built for them and it makes them want to work with you even more. However, it gets a little muddled when they see multiple messages from the same person and it starts to give them just a little bit of doubt if you're really focused on their problem. But when would they see the other flyer you have in the back of your pocket? Well, this brings me to your online fitness business. When you have a website, you can't really control which tabs they see. And if you have five different niches, like personal training for pregnant women, elderly, people training for triathlons, then I don't know if you really niche, that's what they say to themselves. However, there is one tip I have for that if you do have an online fitness training business and you have multiple niches. I would probably recommend up to three. It's hard to kind of just juggle the messaging for more than that. Even two is hard. Heck, I have a hard time just speaking to one group. So if you have multiple ones, they actually have, my, my tip here is a software where you can, they call it segmenting your market. You can do a little quiz and call it like self-assessment or get some type of analysis. But what it really does is it segments based off of, segments the person based off of their answers. And then it automatically emails them and then shows them a landing page that's specific for that niche market. So I have a friend who has a podcast for English learning. So maybe One group is business English learners and one group are students who are trying to pass the English test. So they have totally different needs. One is probably test focused and one is focused on doing well in meetings. So having different messaging is super important. And it's actually pretty important that she can have multiple niches and be able to speak to them separately. So basically, the answer is yes, you can have multiple niches. In person, when you're handing them a flyer, or if you're even doing like paid Facebook ads and you know who you're targeting, then it's totally easy possible as long as you can manage the multiple messages and operational aspects of serving them. However, if they're just landing on the same place, like a website or a big poster, but we're going to focus online here, then it's tricky. And that what you can use is one of those segmenting survey softwares where it delivers a specific landing page and then usually tags the customer with a specific tag so that they can get specific messages from you, like such as if they're more weight loss focused or strength focused. I hope that was helpful in thinking through how to use niche marketing to grow your business. Share with me your thoughts on our Facebook page or on our Instagram. Enjoy the show. This is part two of my interview with Danny Singer. He's the president and founder of Fit2Go, a top Baltimore, Maryland in-home training company that trains about 100 clients every week. His business is impressive after starting out in his college apartment at the age of 21. In just a few years, it is now one of the top in-home training companies in his area and with a team of full-time trainers. He even has relationships with national property management companies to train for free at these apartment complexes in his area. In addition, he has been featured regularly on his local news channel through his regular health segment. 
there's so much to learn from what he's made work for his in-home training business. Moving to the second part is the, the big question. How are you guys dealing with, how has it been with COVID? What percentage of your customers were okay with virtual? How is that working for your business? So right when the shutdown happened, we had a hundred clients and we transferred 75% of them over. So it was 175 clients over to virtual, which was, and honestly, I had nothing to do with it. This is my team, which just speaks to having good people. Um, they informed me that we had started virtual training and that it was working. And then after following up with clients, the vast, vast majority of them loved it. Surprisingly, they were really like, they appreciated the fact that we were innovating and finding a way to continue the programs and not having to stop. It was more of an issue for like the property management companies because we had people that would work in another city that we don't service. So they then could, well, then they could go to virtual, but they were used to using a gym, not going from in-home to like, okay, well, now you won't be here, but do it virtually. They didn't have access to the gym anymore where they were used to working out of. So there was a couple issues there. But for the most part, it went really, really well. Now we're starting to see a pick back up as gyms are still, for the most part, closed. They can do some outdoor stuff. People are antsy. People are done being locked in their houses and they want to work out. And so I think this is where we're going to see the most things picking up as we're kind of in this little period in between when gyms fully open up. Yeah. So when you said you have a hundred clients, does that number include your property management gym clients? Yeah. Okay. And, and so when you said there's a small percentage from the property managed buildings that didn't move over the 25% that didn't jump to virtual. Yeah. That's what it was then, but then we signed up new clients and stuff. Oh, okay. Did you have any slowdown in interest during COVID for like new leads? Yeah, for sure. March, April, and maybe half of May. We're mostly focusing on going online. We started streaming live free workouts every single day. We were pushing online training. We've got a beautiful landing page built by a developer, ran Facebook ads. There are issues with Facebook ads, which I've yet to find a consultant that can figure out the proper targeting for our clientele. So we're getting Mm -hmm. tons of people interested, which weren't right. The bottom line is that online virtual training worked amazing for our current clients. It didn't work as like a business strategy for us mm-hmm. in this particular case. We didn't have, our system didn't work in order to get new online virtual training clients. We got some, but for the most part, not as well as we had hoped. And I think that's just like the entire world. You, every personal trainer either now is driving Uber or on unemployment or doing online training. So it's just right. so much being thrown at people. And that's why, yeah, I think that right now is as things are picking up, this is the biggest spot. Yeah. I think this is the question a lot of trainers get when they, let's say they turn to virtual for temporary or to add a revenue stream in the future. Did you change any pricing or did you keep everything the same? We're doing everything exactly the same. I just, because mm-hmm. a lot of clients wanted virtual too. Like it's mm. not, I don't feel comfortable coming home. Can we do virtually? Sure. So this is how it works out. I remember I was telling you it's 45 minute drive time, 15 yes. minutes. So what I did was I sent an email saying everybody's session to be increased to an hour because we no longer have to do that drive time. So you're paying the same amount, but you're mm-hmm. going to get more. You get a full hour now for all of your sessions. Oh, yeah, that's smart. They definitely feel like they got like 25% more. It's nice. Right. Now that we're at a moment where things are changing again, now we're going back in this transition. Like what percentage of your clients, whether they're now or you think your future clients are going to be virtual? I don't know the answer to that. I think we're still going to be pushing mostly in person. I think that virtual... It's going to be, it's around now for the clients that we're doing in person now, but like Mm -hmm. we still have some clients that for whatever reason, it works out better for them to do virtual. They're all there. We have the number of senior citizens because we do in home. And so for a lot of them, they like virtual. I don't know. I mean, it might be something that we end up like deciding we love this and we start going and pushing that. I'm in the figuring out phase right now for a lot of the stuff. Absolutely. 
That makes a lot of sense. I think everyone's trying to figure it out. So you have these five trainers, they're, they're full-time now. When did they start doing in-person again? About two weeks ago. Okay. Has anything come up between your clients, the trainer, and then even what you guys have decided to do so everyone feels safe? What are things that you put in to help people feel comfortable with that? So the first thing is that we're not pushing anybody into home training. It's just an option. We say, hey, we're doing home training as a standard thing. If you don't want to, we can keep doing virtual. But for a lot of clients, we're doing outdoors. So either meeting at a park, or for a lot of them, it's like curbside personal training. They'll just pull out the training in your front yard or your backyard. We send all of our clients uh, resistance, fit to go resistance band kit. So they all have their own equipment. So they don't even have to share equipment. And then the trainers will just sanitize themselves before they go into each session. But yeah, that's pretty much how we've gone about keeping it safe. Okay. Very cool. Has your company been able to get any help from the government with the PPE? Nope. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like because they were employees also, I would imagine that you'd be able to right. get. They're technically, that's where it gets tricky because they're technically independent contractors, the way it's set up. Yeah, that is tricky. I, I guess my other question then uh, just off of that I saw from your website is how did you get so much press for your company? And um, you guys have some great videos and it really looks like you guys are probably the top in-home training company. So what are some techniques or tips you could give to trainers who want to achieve that also PR wise? Well, thank you. because That's, that's the long-term goal. Number one in-home personal training company. That's what I'll be known for. But the answer is that in 20, end of 2016, I had, I used to like it back then also when it was mainly me, it was me and then some trainers. There's nobody else in the back end. So I was doing all the consultations and I used to just love the consultation. Like I would love diving into somebody, finding out their entire history. I'd have like pages and pages of notes on everything we went through. And then I would type up the consultation notes for the trainer. And they have like, they know their entire client's life story before they meet them because I've gone through everything with them because that's usually all relevant to why we're having the trouble we're, we're having, right? It's not about, if we actually go through things like, oh, and the clients will learn as we're going. They'll be like, oh, I just realized like every time that I had a breakup is when I always fall into this pattern or every time I get stressed or whatever it is. And then we see, okay, well, what worked before? Why didn't it work? And so I would have consultations that would be like three hours. Oh, I can see why you closed so many. You were so passionate and detailed. I mean, that speaks, that's very uh, good sales-wise. I think that the reason, like we, our closing ratio in terms of the people that we schedule consultation with and then sign up with them clients is like 99.9%. There may be three people last year that did not sign up. And that might be more, it might've been two, but I think that first we have a very like, qualified application process they go through. Um, they find us and it, it explains what we are. And so I think they're like ready when they get on the phone. But second is that I, genu- I genuinely do not try to sell them. What I tried to do is I created a service that was right and would help the people that I want to help. And so if they get on the phone with me and I'm not trying to convince them of anything, I'm just factually explaining things to them. And I'm listening to like figuring out, okay, here's how it will apply to you. And people can sense that. And people can sense like, and just little things here and there like, I mean, the most extreme examples when I tell people, yeah, I don't think we're a good fit. And I've had several cases where I've said that versus been shocked. And I said, but here's like my free weight loss guide. I think this will help you. And I think that you do better off. You can pay less, go to a different trainer. And then they'll come back the next day and be like, okay, I thought about actually, yeah, I'm ready to start and like really commit to it. Because this is like cases where people like, they just want to lose some quick weight or they're not ready to really, you know, put in the works. People can sense it if you are being genuine and being genuine doesn't mean don't quote sell them. Like, but the difference is that I'm informing them of why this is going to be awesome for them rather than trying to convince them. Like I fully believe it. Yeah. You have a great personality and you're so passionate about, you love doing the consultations. Do you still do the consultations or have you also transitioned that to someone? No. So now I have a director and that's what the director's position is, right? So like we don't have a salesperson. The director is the same person that meets with the client 
And our director is a registered nurse also, so it helps a lot because we look at a lot of health and fitness and we partner with a lot of medical professionals. And so she meets with them for the consultation. And then she's not just a salesperson. She's the same person that's running, overseeing the program, choosing the trainer for them, following up with them about the program, and then meeting with the trainer every single week to fine tune. So I like that structure better. Ideally, I don't ever want to have salespeople. I don't ever want to have people that their job is just to sell people and then that's it. We have nothing to do with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That answers a lot. Oh, I don't think we got to get to the PR part. How did you get, how so did you get a, on TV? Yeah, I, I had a consultation late 2016 with somebody and it was a detailed conversation with him and his wife on hours and so we connected a lot. And that person happened to be the PR rep for one of the local big hospitals. And so we connected from that. So then like when he had a media query, like a month later, he got a media query that he didn't have any of the hospital to answer because it was about fitness. He sent it my way. I said, Hey, would you be interested in answering this? And I remember when I got that one, I saw it on my phone, I was like at the mall. I remember I sat down for an hour and wrote up my huge response to it because I was like, yes, absolutely. I love stuff like this. And so I put a, so much effort into showing up and delivering for that, doing an amazing job for him and for the reporter. And I kept doing that. And then any opportunity he would send me, I would jump on stuff, whatever I was doing. And so, and I learned more about what makes this easy for this PR person. What makes it easy for the reporter? What does the reporter want? How can I make their job easier? And I just kept learning and every opportunity I got, I learned a little bit more. And so then I built up relationships directly with the reporters and then same thing with uh, TV. So then like, that's how I got into like the big magazines, like Men's Health, Reader's Digest and stuff like, and self, I did a lot with self magazine, but then TV, it was the same thing. It was the same guy. It was in 2017. I got a text that they basically, there was a nutritionist who was going to run a segment and it was going to be about superfoods. And that nutritionist had to cancel last minute. So basically they tapped me and said, Hey, would you be able to cover and so I said yes straight away, like scared as hell, but then I did it. And what I ended up doing, it's funny because I did the opposite of a segment. So I kept the superfood title. I realized that also like the station doesn't really care. They just want it to be interesting and engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't care what your opinion is. You can say whatever you want. And so I brought a Superman action figure with like broccoli and um, tomatoes and carrots, like strapped to his arms and legs. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is the scientific definition of the term superfood. Like just making fun of it, saying that it doesn't mean anything. And I was just like talking about how stupid superfoods are, how they're ridiculous. Like, yes, some foods have some super content, but none of them are going to do any of these insane claims and make you lose weight or cure cancer or any of that stuff. But I went all out with that, tried to make it a really good segment. And then from there, I reached out to the executive directors there afterwards, followed up to, hey, I really love doing this. I've done most of the print, but I would love to do more TV and then built up my own, eventually had my own monthly segment from there. Oh, you had a monthly, I don't think I realized you had a monthly segment. What show was that with? Is that a local Fox show? Fox Baltimore. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Has that brought you, I must've brought you a ton of clients if you have a regular segment. So no, nobody watches TV, <laughs> but what I would do is I would buy, there's a company that records everything specifically for this reason. Then you can buy the clips from them. So I would just grab the clip of all of them and run them on Facebook and everybody would see them. So oh, more so just adds credibility. credibility. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And I was going to ask, I think my final segment is you mentioned that you coach a lot of trainers now. Like you're a coach to trainers. Did I understand that correctly? Well, let me clarify that. I don't have a business off of this, so I don't do any like fitness. And I'm making that very clear because most fitness business coaches are scumbags and scam artists and I'm not a part of that crew. <laughs> sure. But there are some good ones, but just to be clear, I'm not pitching any services to trainers here. I, I do serve as an advisor to the personal trainer development center, which I was a fan of long before I was a contributor. And so what I do is I, mm. I the education advisor. So I go through every single week and I see the best fitness content of the week. So we look through the internet and we go through just from the, we go through the best fitness content of the week. So like anybody that writes or creates anything on the internet, videos, podcasts, we make that list for the personal trainers. 
I then informally, like I'll have a lot of people reaching out to me, asking me questions or whatever. And I always am happy. I talked to somebody from Australia the other day. So I advise trainers, it's, but it's not a business or anything like that. At least. Oh, right okay. I mean, either way, it sounds like you help trainers. What are the main problems that you see and messages that you, you feel are very important for trainers who are trying to make their hustle work, whether they're growing a business or their, their own personal training business? Like what tips would you give them? So many. I'm trying to think about the biggest problems for them is that first is be a professional, like do that and you'll stand out because most personal trainers fit the stereotype of like the young, dumb jock who didn't go to college. So he became a personal trainer rather than somebody who went to college, got a four year degree and is using that for a personal training. So just be a professional, show up on time, communicate well with your clients and that will stand out immensely. The second piece I would say is, especially right now with COVID, be active on social media. That's your strongest asset. Just make sure that everybody on your social media knows that you are a personal trainer so that when any of those 2000 people are looking for a personal trainer or know somebody looking for a personal trainer, they say, Hey, I don't really know this guy, but I follow him on Facebook and he's got some really cool stuff. He's in your area. You should check him out. And then that's something that gradually picks up from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what would you say if someone's trying to start their own in-home personal training business and we'll assume they're not even near you, <laughs> but they're probably just starting out. What tips would be the top three things you tell them to focus on regarding managing their team of trainers? First thing I would say is leave America because that's where fit to go is and we're going to be expanding nationally. But the <laughs> second thing I would tell them is it's all about how you manage the trainers. So make sure that you're very detailed in uh, hiring your personal trainers. And look at that turnover because if you have a turnover like gyms do, you're going to be a mess because you don't have to only match clients with the right trainer. You have to match them clients with the right trainer at the right availability at the right time. You have to match the right client with the right trainer who has the right time available and in the right location and then the location at that time. So it's a huge puzzle and you just got to recognize that and factor in the drive time and things like that. And you got to be organized. Okay, cool. Well, you have a great business cut out for you. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, we understand that you're not necessarily a coach for trainers as a business, but if they did want to reach you or if they're interested in your training services, how can they reach you? So if you're a trainer, if you're a fitness professional, you're not bothering me. Reach out for sure. I'd love to talk. You can find me on Facebook. It's Donnie Singer, spelled D-A-N-I. That's really what I use. I don't use my Instagram or anything else. So you can find me on there. And heads up, I get a lot of things that go into like those message requests that Facebook doesn't show you. Hmm. So if I don't answer you, I'm ignoring you. I just haven't seen it. And then if you're looking to become a client, you're looking to work with fit to go So we now have in-person in Baltimore City and County, and we're doing virtual all over, all over the world. But then you just go to fit2gopt.com, F-I-T, the number two, G-O-P-T.com. Or just Google fit to go personal training and you'll find all about us there. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, great. Actually, just one last question because this came up. So you're going to go uh, national, which is cool. And I know that there's different ways to do it, whether you're going to go there, hire trainers, and then some people franchise. Are you definitely planning to just actually open your own spots there? Or are you thinking about franchising? So I don't know enough about, because I'm not quite at that stage right now. So I'm still in the process of like really diving in, fine tuning all of our systems and making them so like we could, but like I want to get our system set and then expand from there. So the answer to your question is like, I haven't really looked into it enough from my understanding of how it works. I don't think I'm going to franchise because mm. I think that I want to have more direct quality control where yeah. I don't want this to be the kind of thing where you can run a bad fit to go spot, you know, like mm -hmm. I want it to be all 
from the top down, making sure that everything's quality. Yeah. I think that's the biggest concern when you start a franchise. I'd be happy to make somewhat less money and have the best reputation because I care about my life has gone into fit to go. Like that's, that's my passion project. And so I care so much more about that being an amazing service, amazing reputation than making another whatever amount of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you're definitely a passion person. Um, you've helped a lot of trainers uh, and it sounds like you're helping within your business and then also anybody who comes to you. So uh, thanks for sharing your secrets on that and, and also management secrets. I, I liked a lot of the things, especially the Monday meeting. So thanks for being on the show and sharing your advice and definitely reach out to Danny if you need to ask him or you want to work with him. Awesome. Thanks, Christy. All right. Thanks. Take care. thanks for listening. Oh, I have three freebies. Number one, get your full edited transcription with bullet points of the key lessons from today's show on our website, fitnesssecrets.co. That's fitnesssecrets with an S at the end.co. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter, which gets you access to our monthly freebie marketing and operations content that you can use for your own fitness business. Freebie number two, If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to the show in your podcast player by hitting the subscribe button. Since the show happens because of listeners like you, could you also leave a review? If you email us your review at support at fitnesssecrets.co, you'll receive a complimentary one-hour coaching call with me and a $150 credit towards the first challenge that we will be releasing soon. Finally, freebie number three. We started the Fitness Secrets Facebook group. I know thinking and designing of new marketing campaigns, planning out your operations each month for your fitness clients is exhausting. Our goal is for the group to help you plan out your marketing, plan out your operations so you can get more clients efficiently. To join, go to facebook.com and search Fitness Business Secrets. Thanks so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.